0: The word settled when it talks about and they occupied and settled the land until the exile. The the Hebrew word is yashab and it means to sit, to settle, to occupy, to take a seat. God never intended the children of Israel to be settling down. He told them in Deuteronomy, if you carefully observe all these commands I am giving you to follow. Love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to him and hold fast to him. Then the Lord will drive out these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. And every place you set your foot will be yours. That's what God intended for the Israelites not to settle. God does not intend for us as Christians in America today to settle. We have settled. We have sat down. And we watched the world go round. And in the midst of that, people are dying and going to hell every day. People's lives hang in the balance because there are men and women, husbands and wives, people committing suicide on a daily basis. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about the sick and those who need God? We sit back. And we go, somebody else will take care of that. You will not walk in power and authority as long as you settle. Gifts and talents mean nothing to God if you're settled. They mean nothing. There are talented people all over this country that mean nothing because they have settled in their walk with God.
1: Amen.
0: Famous men, brave warriors, heads of family. All hell wants you to settle. All hell right now is crying out for you to settle. The word that you hear in your your your, your ears right now is from the enemy saying, settle. You know what? Don't press in. Don't push into God. Don't keep chasing after God. Just settle. It's going to be alright. You're going to be okay. Everything will be fine. Settle down. Sit back and watch. In Mark chapter 11, it says, it says this, And when they had come to Bethany, Jesus hungered. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, perhaps He thought there might be something there. And when He came to it, He found nothing but leaves. For it was the season of fi- it was not the season of figs, and he and he said unto them, No man will eat fruit from you from now on. Some of us look at that scripture and we say, Well, that's Jesus cursing that tree. I will offer you this: Jesus was not cursing that tree. Jesus was speaking a truth. Jesus was saying, this is what's going to happen to you. And I I would offer to you tonight that the same thing is going to happen to us spiritually if we are not walking and producing fruit. If we're not producing fruit, we're just like that fig tree. We're of no use. The Bible says that the roots even dried up. And then what happens? The Bible says that when those things happen, we cast them off to the side and they get burned up. You can be a Christian... And not be commit and not have any fruit. You're useless to the kingdom of God. You're like that fig tree. God is calling us to stand up. And He says, You know what? I give you love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the fruits that I want to see in your life. Those are the things that I want to spring up in your life. The Bible says in Galatians that there is no law against these things. You can have these things in abundance. When I tell you, I say, you know what, I want you to walk in in balanced life. I want you to walk in in, and make sure you you, you don't go outside the balance. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law against it. You can have as much joy, as much peace, as much A settled life does not produce fruit. I'm happy right here, though, God. I'm happy right here. The leaves on the fig tree represent the outside looking all fine. When we go to church, we see people in church and they, they all look good on the outside. But inside, there may be dead. Someone told me that this week. I was talking to a man. He said, you know what? Greg, he goes, there's a lot of people in churches that don't know it, but they're going to hell. And I said, that's why I scream. That's why I shout. That's why I get a hold of God. Because I don't want to see that happen. We can go to church every week and not be producing any fruit. Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm going to turn on you. thing. you. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They they keep saying to those who despise me, The Lord says, you will have peace. Isn't that what we're hearing today? It's okay. You're all right. Everybody's okay. You will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say... No harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord? To see or to hear His word. Who has listened to His word? See the storm the Lord will burst out in wrath. A whirlwind swirling swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until He foolishly accomplishes the purposes of His heart. Does that remind you of something, LuAnn? The word that the Lord gave us almost a year ago. He said, I am moving. See me. I am moving. And he said, but there's a storm coming. Not to harm, but to sift. <clears throat> I'm telling you guys, we're living in the last days. There is a sifting coming. There's going to come a time when all the things that you think are important are going to disappear. Just like it did for Joe. Everything he had disappeared in the night. There's coming a day. And I don't want to scare you, but I want you to know, I want you to realize that if we're not rooted, if we're not founded in the things of God, we're not going to be ready to be able to stand against the enemy when he comes in against us. I have come to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. That's my job. And some of you guys go, you're doing a good job at it. (laughs) (laughs) Our proximity to God. Our proximity to God is what gives us our power and authority. If you're standing away from God, you're not going to have power and authority. You want to see something change in people's lives? Then you know what? You need to get close to God. Your proximity, your nearness, your closeness, that that, that place that you get in close with God, that close proximity to God is where you will get your power and authority. God is not as concern, concerned about your physical comfort as He is concerned about your spiritual well-being. How do I know that? Because in 2004, my wife received a, a word from a lady in the Visalia First Assembly. And we were in ministry there in Visalia, and things were going great. And she said, and the lady said, Tani, I... I'm afraid to tell you this. But the Lord is showing me that you're about to go through a very dark winter season. We laughed about it. We said, oh, that can't be God because everything is going so good for us right now. And as the years progressed, Connie became sicker and sicker and sicker. To the point where, at one point, I was pushing food through her stomach just so she could stay alive. And I begged the doctor, I said, Doctor, you've got to do something. I said, this isn't working. It's not. She's, she's still losing weight. And he put a pick line in through her, which goes right into your heart. And I had to feed her every day through these bags of IVs to keep her alive. And she was to the point where she didn't want to live anymore. She said, Greg, I'm done. I've had it. I don't want to go on any longer. And those of you guys don't know it because this was all going on the last couple years here in Springville. I would put her, load her up in the patrol car in the back seat to keep her alive because I didn't know if she was going to kill herself that day. And we would drive up and down that mountain in the snow and everything else. God was not as concerned about the physical condition as he was our spiritual condition. It drove me to my knees. I, I would walk the, the pasture behind my house, 640 acres. I would walk it every single day. And I would cry out to God. I'd say, God, if you hear me, if you hear me, would you answer? God, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't save her. And then God spoke to me. And he said, Greg, I'm going to heal her. And I said, but God, and he said, not because you deserve it. But because I'm going to do it. it. It brought us to our knees. It brought us to the place where we said, you know what? We need a reckless abandon. We need to say, God, you are the most important thing. Nothing else matters. You know what? Nothing, you know what? This life is but a vapor. Think of the Bible says that the greatest man who lived on this earth, he lived 33 years, John the Baptist. And he left this earth with six measly disciples. Nothing to show for himself except some locusts probably in his pack. That's, the Bible says, is the greatest man that ever came out of a woman. That's what Jesus said. That tells me something about this life we live in. All the things that we think are so important. The American dream. Getting all we can, doing all we can, making all the money we can, getting everything we have. God says, you know what, that isn't going to mean nothing when it all comes down to the end. Surrender to his kingship. Matthew 13 talks about the parable of the pearl and the field. And the pearl is this. He said, if if a man found a pearl, he would get rid of everything else. He would sell everything he had to, to grab a hold of that one prize that he had. If he had a treasure and he buried it in the field, he said, he would go in and do everything he can, sell everything he can so he could buy that field and possess that treasure. That treasure is Jesus Christ. That treasure is our living God. That treasure is what we should be seeking after. The pearl, the pearl is Him. You know what? Nothing else should matter. He should be the most important thing in our life. When we wake up in the morning, we should think about Jesus. When we hit that bed at night, we should be thinking about Jesus. He should be the most important thing. Nothing else matters but Him. Impart something you've learned about, and people will think about it. Impart something you've experienced, and you will change lives. You will change a nation. You will change the atmosphere around you. Mountains in the Bible represent obstacles. They represent high places to go to meet God. When I go camping with my wife in the mountains, I take my horses back there. And every one of these mountains up here, I want you to know they have a name. Maggie, Moses, Denison, Coyote, Angora, Pharaoh Gap. Everything up there has a name. And when we go camping up there, my wife, she likes to nest, okay? She can't go for one night. I'm happy going for a night and just getting out in the backcountry. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Not her. She wants to go in there. She wants to set up camp and get all, you know. But I want to go climb the mountains. Every time I camp near a mountain, I've got to go climb it. And sometimes I've climbed peaks as high as 13,000 feet over there. Because every time I go camping, if there's a mountain close by, I take off. And my wife will catch me that, that late that evening and she says, well, how was it? And it about killed me.
1: <laughs> because
0: I'm not in that good shape. But it's an arduous climb. That altitude, everything begins to hurt. Fatigue sets in. You can feel your heart pounding out of your chest. But you set your mind for the climb. And if you're a climber, the Bible says in Habakkuk 3:19, "The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer, like hind's feet, and enables me to tread on the heights. I offer you tonight this: that if you want to go to the high places, there is a place in God that exists. You don't have to settle anymore. You know what? I want you to know that, you know what? So many times we think, well, you know what? We lost that dream. I remember at one time in my life when I was young and God had spoke to me, but I lost that dream. But God's saying this, you know what? Dream again. Dream again. Because You know what? That dream isn't lost. You know what? All you got to do is look again. Look a little farther. You know when you're on the top of those mountains? What I like to do, and then maybe I'm at 10,000 feet on on Sheep Hill right up here. And I look over and I can see the next one. And then the thing, I tell my wife, I said, well, my next trip is going to be over to that one. Because I want to see what's over there. (laughs) And that's how it should be with God. That we should be always looking. What is it, God, you got out for me next? What is the next place you got for me? I want to go there. I don't want to settle anymore. I'm not bad-mouthing my wife for settling at camp. She won't go with me. But spiritually speaking, if we settle, we will never see what God can do. I'm not talking tonight about some spiritual high. I'm not talking about some mountaintop experience that makes you feel good. I'm talking about spending time in the secret place of the Most High, God. I'm talking about finding yourself under the wing of God. Getting close to Him. Getting in close proximity to Him. You want to see people's lives change. You want to see your family come to Jesus. You want to see uh, the bondages of sin broken. Then get close to God. Get in proximity to God. The problem today is, many of us want the power and we want the authority, but we don't want the proximity. We have to get the proximity to have the power and the authority. Otherwise, it's empty. I know that a place exists in him. If you will look beyond where you are right now. Jesus told his disciples that all power and authority are given to you. But it was in proximity to him. Proximity is the state of being near or next to closeness. Caleb said at 80 years old, give me the mountains. That's where I want to go. Give me to the high country. If we will endeavor to catch God, if we will endeavor not to settle, I think to myself, if we used the church percentages today and we used them back in the time of Pentecost, we say, well, you know what? It's okay if at least 50% of my, my church loves God. Or 25% of my church loves God. I wonder what would have happened on the day of Pentecost. If they would have had that philosophy. It's okay if just 50, 60 of you guys go and seek. Go and seek. It says 120 of them. Got together. All in one accord. In one mind. And they began to seek God. Imagine what would happen if we would do that today in our churches. Oh my gosh. On the mountaintop, Jesus, his face radiated. On Moses, when he was on the mountaintop and he came down, his, fo- his face radiated. When you've been in close proximity to God, you're going to begin to look different. I'll borrow Pastor Mike's thing. When was the last time, and I've said this many times, when was the last time somebody mistaked you for Jesus? When was the last time somebody said, Oh, as you were walking by, I thought that was the Lord going by me, because I felt the presence of the Almighty God in my midst. When was the last time that happened? It's my right to do what I want. I can do it. I deserve it. I've worked all my life. I'm getting ready to retire in two and a half years. And I, I deserve this. The state of California can't take that from me. I'll tell you this. Tomorrow it could be gone. Everything I've worked for could be gone in a heartbeat. But you know what? I'm storing up treasures in heaven. i am putting my I the American dream everything that this world thinks is important means nothing in the kingdom of God if we settle today if we settle where we're at if we settle in our position with God then just expect that that's exactly where you're going to stay you're going to be like a pond the moss begins to grow over the top of it Because without water moving, it stagnates and collects mosquitoes. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. Listen to me, guys. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. I don't do certain things because I want the love of God to radiate from out of me. I want to be in close proximity to Him. That's why I don't do certain things. The reason I do certain things. Why I get into the Word. Why I pray. Pastor Mike said this in his message. I've been listening to his messages over and over again. He says, remember I've told you guys this. Becoming a man or a woman of God, it takes hard work. It takes hard work. You're going to have to get into the Word. You're going to have to begin to pray. Fasting is hard work. And I'll bring this, throw this out there. The Bible says, Jesus said this, and I believe it's in Matthew chapter 11. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But I want you to know the chapter that he said that in was the same chapter where John the Baptist was put into prison. And was about to lose his head because some young teenage girl said, off with his head. Yoking up with Jesus is not always easy. But He's promised us this. When you yoke up with Him. And a yoke, a yoke is not something very comfortable. Have you ever seen a yoke? Have you seen a yoke on some oxen? It's a very cumbersome thing. But when you yoke up with Jesus. When you find yourself in line with Him. And He begins to walk. And he begins to pull you along. Sometimes your legs are fatigued, but sometimes you just don't feel like you can go another step. Sometimes you say, you know what? God, I'm ready to give it up. But you know what he says? Keep on walking.
1: Keep on walking.
0: I will step with you. I'll carry you through. That's what he's saying. He says, My yoke is easy because I will carry it for you. My burden is light because I'm going to pick up. If I can, I'm going to pick up your half. But there's nothing nice about that yoke. Isn't that right, Scott? Scott gave me a message on that this week. Tonight, I want you to know listen, guys, God is calling us to something greater than we've ever seen in the past. You want to see the gift of God. Maybe some of you have have the gift of God has been placed on your life. You've had people prophesy over you. You want to have that gift come to fruition, then get in close proximity to Him. Don't stand back, don't get settled. Because I'll tell you right now, you will never see it come to fruition. And it still may be 5, 10, 20 years before it even happens. Darcy told me, the the, the, the pastor from the reservation said, 30 years ago, that there was a prophecy in in, in, in a a, uh, full gospel businessmen's meeting in, in Porterville. And they said, 30 years ago, That God was going to pour out his spirit up here. There was going to be a revival come out of Springfield. Like nothing we've ever seen before. Guys, I'm telling you. It was 30 years ago. That I was sitting in a church. In Merrill, Wisconsin. As a little teenager. And the lady who was speaking that morning. Was on her last night of revival. And she said. Brother Greg. And I was just a teenager. And I wasn't doing everything I needed to do right. She says. God's got his hand upon your life. God is going to use you. I believe it without a shadow of a doubt that was predicting a day that we're living in today. 30 years later. Guys, I'm going to... I've said it before. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. If I be lifted up, Jesus is speaking. I will draw all men into me. You want to see people's lives changed? Praise Him. You want to see lives changed around you? Worship Him. You want to see things happen in the midst of what's going on in your life? You want to see that, that situation radically change? Begin to be a worshiper. Intertwine yourself in the things of God. Get close to Him. Get in close proximity to Him. Become a praiser. Open your mouth. Turn off the enemy right now. Because you know what? He's already, He's trying to speak into your ear. Say, you know what? It's all hogwash. Don't listen to it. Turn him off right now. And say, you know what? I'm going to believe the Lord Almighty. That's Amen. Right. God's calling us to something greater. Don't settle. Don't settle.
1: sound of Jesus. They they couldn't identify the sound. They missed it. They heard the sound of John the Baptist. They heard the voice crying out, but they, they couldn't get it. You must hear the sound of the Spirit. You must hear the voice of God saying, come to me. You must hear Him. You must hear the sound of Heaven drawing you. You must hear the sound of His presence. You must get there. It must drive all else in your life. It must all the cares, all the other desires, all of your passions. Everything else has to, has to be brought down to a level where the loudest thing you hear is His voice saying, Come, come, come. As you bring forth the sound of heaven, the Lord says, I will begin to fill the atmosphere. because of the lady presence, you know my lady presence.